Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Oh, praise God. Man, it is so good to be here today. Uh, What a special day. Uh, We had Apostle Dick Benjamin's celebration of life service. It wasn't, I could hardly be sad. I I thought I was going to cry a lot. I cried a lot before, you know, and uh, I I could hardly be sad. I thought, man, I wasn't, I was just feeling so blessed. I thought, this is the way I want to go out. I want to be, I want to be 104. I just want to outdo him just a little bit. I want to be 104. (laughs) I am a little competitive. I do want to win. So I want to fall asleep, man, and go wake up in heaven. Who doesn't want to just fall asleep and wake up in heaven? What a blessing to just celebrate his life and to think and see the kind of impact is possible if we live our lives pressing, pressing, pressing. If we live our lives pressing into what God has for us, amen? Man, I'm excited about what the Lord has for each one of us today. Uh, At some point in your life, you heard the Lord speak to you, and he said, it's time to go. I'm pressing on your heart, and it's time to go. And somewhere in your heart, you said yes. You said yes. The Pratt's over here. You guys said yes and went to Swaziland, Africa. Come on. Michael and Robin Pratt over here. And uh, 30 plus years you've been on mission field? 27? That's pretty much 30 plus in my roundup ways. (laughs) That's got to feel like 30. Yeah? Feels like 50. 50 years. In missionary years, we count those like dog years, right? You responded and said yes, and it wasn't about how nice it was going to be, how cool it would look, or, or what, you know, like, oh, I'm going, I'm going to grow an apple tree or something. Who cares what you're going to grow? You went to Swaziland. You went all over the nation to just simply follow the call of the Lord in your life. And the Lord's saying, as it was in your generation, there's another generation to respond to the call. And it's a time to press. So first we're going to lay hands on you guys. If you're around any of these folks, I want you to lay hands on them. Just stretch your hands towards them, your faith. It's a little bit of an interactive moment. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the leaders in this space the ones that are active, retired, ministering. They've passed their ministries on. They said yes to your call, God. And we say yes, Jesus, to your presence falling on their life right now, God. Fall in power, fall in strength. God, I pray for new and renewed vision in their life to press into the next season of their call in you. God, thank you for their faithfulness. God, thank you for all the sowing and all the serving and worship of you, Jesus. And I speak blessing and favor and vision into their heart today, that they would be activated, reactivated, re-energized to serve and to press on and to finish God well. Thank you, Jesus, for every seed that was put in the ground. God, even every season where things were dismantled and disrupted in their life and they were confused and the things they built, someone kicked over. Lord, we thank you for the seed that's in the ground that can't be stopped. Our job is to sow, to water, to harvest, and God, you make things grow. And so, God, we speak life to every bit of seed that was put in the ground from Apostle Dick Benjamin and Dick Struts to every pastor and leader and gift that's been empowered through this church that is here today or all over the world right now. God, let it grow in Jesus' name. And Lord, today, we're not tired, we're not broken, we're not worn out, we're re-energized and ready to serve and press on to the finish line, which is when we enter into eternity and we see you face to face and get a swim in the treasure of your love that you have prepared in advance for those that love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you for responding to the call. Whoever responded to the call to plant that little church out in Nikiski, I see that hand. I see that hand. Appreciate that. 
Uh, I just want to say this, uh, just from, I know Mike and Robin, you guys are here from Swaziland, and you're back trying to let people know about your mission, and they have a fantastic mission that we still support. It's an apostolic ministry in Swaziland. I'd love for you to get to know them, take them out to dinner, get involved in their ministry, sow into their ministry, become a regular giver. They, they transform young people's lives that have been orphaned, and then they raise them up and disciple them and send them into the city and transform, uh, even the influence the government. I mean, what they're doing in Swaziland is amazing, and the Lord's saying, God is raising up leaders to replace them. Next generation, folks, who's replacing the missionaries on the field? Somebody in our youth camp, we're doing this thing where we're saying, what, is the, what, is, what do you say about you? What does the enemy say about you? And they have all these negative, stupid stuff. And it just makes me super angry to hear the devil's voice in people's lives. It just makes me so mad. And then we, like, rebuke all that junk, and then we move on to, like, what does the Lord say about you? And this one girl goes, missionary. She's like, I don't even know. I'm freaking out. I'm like, yeah, missionary, come on. Uh, the missions that we have been building, the churches we planted all over the nation, they need replacement leaders, right? That's the hardest thing to do, but it's real easy when God calls you and then you press into the call. You're like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. You don't need to know how to do that. It's God's job. Your job's to respond. How many of you leaders went out there, and you're like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, you just did it, right? <laughs> right? You just go. Philippians 3.12 says this, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Come on, man. Took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I believe this is a word from the Lord for each one of you in this place. Forget what's behind, even the good stuff. Rearview mirror. Some of us look in the rear, too, rear, rear view mirror too much. There's a big windshield out there. It needs your attention. The Holy Spirit said, it needs your attention right now because I'm about to press. I'm going to press on the gas. And the church is going to begin to move and you better be looking in the right direction. Because the rear view mirror is all the stuff you're passing by, and in the windshield's the stuff you could crash into. And the devil, he doesn't want your car to be driving on the road. And he certainly doesn't want you driving over all his stuff that he thinks he owns but belongs to you. It's time to press. And the Holy Spirit is pressing, and the Lord's saying, will you? But one thing I do, you've got to forget what was in the past. I let it go. It's behind me. I'm not straining to fix it. I'm not living in the past saying, oh, why did this person not pay attention to me? And oh, if Dick Benjamin would have just done that. And oh, if Dick Struss would have just done this. If, if somebody else would have just, you know, thought about me or did something for me, then I would be better. Oh, what about this person that messed up my world and, you know, Made a mess of my lawn. There we go. I filtered that. <laughs> I filtered that just for somebody. I don't know who, but I forget that stuff, and I press on toward what is ahead. There is a calling for you. There is something ahead for you. There's something ahead for the church right now that's in front of each one of us, and I believe the Lord's saying, I'm pressing Will you press? Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When you choose Jesus, he places a call in your life. You are now called. You are now chosen. You are now set aside and part of his chosen people that is blessed to be a blessing. And a whole bunch of cool things now belong to you. Everything Jesus purchased with his blood and he took back from the enemy 
is now his stuff, and he's the owner of it, and he says, guess what? You're now my kids, and my kids are heirs, not just heirs, but co-heirs, and you get all the stuff I bought. It belongs to me, but there's a joker squatting on my land. And his name's the devil. He's a liar, he's a cheat, he's a thief, and that's all he knows how to do is take God's stuff. And he's sitting on your land, God's land, that he called you and I to steward, and he says, it's time to press the enemy. It's time to take that land back. What have you believed God for? What have you longed to experience in him? The Lord says press. Press in his presence. Press for the lost. Press in his presence and press for the lost. You want focus? He says there's going to be a time to build, but now is a season to press. And lots of times as church believers, we like to skip steps. And the Lord says, don't skip steps. Don't build in places I'm not building. Unless I build my house, says the Lord, those who labor, labor in vain. You want to do step two when it's time for step one? You are wasting energy. You want to build when it's time to press? You're in the wrong space. We have to follow the leading of the Holy One, the Holy Spirit himself. There will be a season to build, and God will activate all the building gifts, and it's going to be awesome. But now is the season to press, and it's to bring in the harvest. The harvest is ripe. The anointing of the evangelist is over the church. It's time to move. You are an evangelist. Forget about fivefold ministry gifts. Those are great. Those are real. We need those. Those are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But God has called you to press in evangelism. Every person in this space is anointed to preach the word. Everyone. And there's a super anointing of the evangelist that God has placed on the church today in this hour. And it's time for us to respond to the call. I was praying about this word that the Lord just dropped in my heart. And then I, I, I told my wife about it. And I was like, man, there's just something in this. And she was praying about that, and then the Lord gave her a word, almost interpreting this. And she said, it's, to press is like giving birth. Thought. From a lady who's a grand multip, right? That's what they call you when you have had, like, over four babies or something. Multiple pregnancies, okay? And they're all like, they come in. When you're a grand multip, right, when you go in, and you've had, my wife's had six kids, okay, right? And so uh, when you go in, she, they go, Oh, so how many babies you had? They look and they're like, oh, you had five babies? They're like, oh, my gosh. They stopped giving you advice. It's amazing. When you have your first baby, they're all like total controlling, and they tell you everything, all this stuff. And then you go in there, it's like, oh, <clears throat> this gal knows more than we do, man. It's like bring her some iceberg, whatever she asked for. She's like drinking lattes, you know. Until it's time to push, right? <laughs> When you go into transition, this is the moment my wife was telling me that every woman fears. Actually, the pushing part isn't the scariest part, the worst part. The transition part is the worst. It's the hardest. And the Lord said to me through this that she was talking about, it's like this is the way to describe this season of pressing, is that there's two things that needed to be ready. First, the baby needed to be ready in the church. Okay. So God was developing something, new life, something to be born, new life, and it was, he was pressing in an older season inward to develop something, new life, but then the body also has to be ready. There's two things that have to be ready to deliver, is that the baby has to be ready and the body has to be ready. And then, new life comes. And the God is saying to the church that I know you've been frustrated it's been a hard season where there was a different type of pressing. And the Lord said to me, it was the time of the olive press, where God was pressing inward to press the inward place. And they pressed olives. And actually, from the place where they pressed olives, they developed oil that they lit the lampstand in the holy place with. 
And there was a lampstand inside the holy place, which is now you, the temple of God, that God was pressing inwardly to generate and create something in the inside of his church and the inside of his people that was to be lit and then be shared for an outward pressing, which is what he's leaning us into now. So I know you've been frustrated, but the Lord's saying, it's for purpose. I'm growing something. I'm pressing something and developing something within my church and it needs to be ready. It has to come in full season. You don't want the baby to be coming out too soon. Premature. We ought, and you know, I, I mean, I've witnessed six uh, deliveries, like labor, delivery, right? And, right, she told me I have to be really careful about talking about pregnancy and deliveries and all this kind of stuff, right? So, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, uh, Lord, preserve my marriage. Okay. <laughs> 24 years and counting. Let's do this. All right. In, in this space, I mean, I, as a young father, you know, I, we had our first kid. I was 18 years old, and then our last one, I was somewhere in my 30s. And um, uh, for me, it was amazing how long it felt like it took. How nine months seemed to be like 10 years, right? I, for ladies, look, I, I can't even imagine how long that must feel. But, I mean, I listened to what my wife said along the way, which I won't repeat, see? <laughs> and it's amazing how... Nine months in other seasons of our life just feel like that. But when we know something is growing in us and to be birthed, it just feels like it's going forever. And in the church, it's felt like forever since the last move of God. <laughs> and everybody's longing. And we look, we're looking inward, and sometimes we look inward, and the Lord is told me, he said, people look inward, and instead of looking at what I'm actually pressing and trying to press out, they look in judgment and say, why do you not do this and you're not doing that, and how come if we just do this and do that, then God would move? And he says, you can't make me move. I work where I want, when I want, with who I want, the way I want, and I'm going to do whatever I want, because I'm God. You need to listen and find out what I'm doing. And he says, I was pressing. I have been pressing inwardly. And the church learned so much over the last 20 really hard, frustrating, baby-growing years. And how many of you felt like the last five years have been a grind? They've been tough. Even since our building collapsed, right? It, for us, which was like seven years ago, it's just been transition. And that's the scariest part because we don't know what's next. But if we would trust the Lord, we'd have less anxiety about it. We put our hands on it less and let the Lord do what he's doing. God, what are you doing in me? The last seven years, God saved my marriage, transformed something inside of us that was like, there's no way we could have made it if God didn't press and produce that oil, that new life. I didn't even know I had a feeling seven years ago. And I was like, oh, a feeling. I could take this and share it with my spouse? That's amazing. <laughs> I was, that sounds funny, but it was actually pretty hard, right? Ooh, sorry about that. Did you see that little? I need some bisqueen over here to protect yourself. <sighs> At least I'm hydrated, right? But there's... Something about transition that terrifies us all is scary business when God is changing things because we don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. But when we trust him for the new life and then we trust him to make the body ready. There were things with the body of Christ, the structure of the body of Christ that have been out of place. And the Lord has said, my body can no longer be controlling, needy, vulnerable, or limited. Can no longer be controlling, needy, vulnerable, or limited. It must learn to resource life. That comes through love, humility, and honor. If we don't capture these principles, the body would never be ready 
for a move. And Jesus said, all I need is one congregation. That's it. Just one. He'll use everyone he can, but he needs one. And he spoke to me, he said that this time, this season of birthing, that the church is ready, the body is ready, the baby is ready, and it's time to press. But it's time to push. And like it's time to deliver babies, ladies, you grip down, and this is where I've learned, keep your hands inside the vehicle at all times, right? When your wife is about to push, get small, let her grab something else, put your hand Shoulder and a head, stand at a distance, shoulder up, 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 Sunday, whatever it takes. But it's time to grab on. Dolores, I love it that you like that one. Okay. Grip down, bear down. And we're going to go all in. They go, okay, are you ready? They're like, okay, here we go. Make your ugly face. Let's do it. And we're going to push. <laughs> it don't matter what comes out, what happens. We're going to push. And it's going to be a little messy. The Lord said new life is messy. New life is messy. It's time to push, though. But it's not time for part of the body to push. It's time for the whole body to push. Not just part. Young people. It's time to push. It's not time to wait and say, well, I'm going to sit around and wait to see a good church. Well, if the church would just do this, the church would just do that. You're not a consumer. You're a pusher. The church, you're talking to yourself. Well, I just wish the church would blah, blah, blah. You're like, what are you? You're the church. Just get a mirror and start talking to yourself. Well, I wish the church, me, would just start to push. Yeah, we wish you'd push too. Let's all do it together. It's way more fun when we all push at the same time. And the Lord said this, nothing can stand in my way. I found this, Lord just led me to this passage in, I mean, it's just like a, it's just a wild little space, and I felt like the Lord was just kind of transforming this in Zechariah just to, for us as the church, instead of it's like talking to Zerubbabel and what he's going to do, but I believe the Lord's saying, look, this is for my church. It says this, what do we see now? He asked, I answered, I see solid gold lampstand with a bowl of oil on top of it. Around the bowl is seven lamps each having seven spouts with wicks, and I see two olive trees, one on each side of the bowl, and I ask the angel, what are these, my Lord? What do they mean? Don't you know, the angel asked. No, my Lord, I replied. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, and I want you to hear the church. This is what the Lord says to the church. It is not by force or nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heavenly armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in my church's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when the church sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. The church is the one that will lay the foundation of this temple, and it will be completed. Then you will know that the Lord of the heavenly armies has sent me. Do not despise small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in his church's hand. It's time to build, right? It's time to start something, a beginning, a pressing, a pushing of the new life in the kingdom. The Lord's just saying, let's do this. Nothing, not a mountain, nothing can stand in my way. And it's like the time of Joshua when the Lord said to him, Moses, my servant, therefore uh, <clears throat> is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. 
the Israelites, uh, uh, lead the Israelites across the Jordan River and into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot will be on land. Uh, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land. I have on the land I have given you, from the Negev of the wilderness to the south of Lebanon mountains in the north, kind of everywhere. Right? No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one to lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. It's a promise that God gave us the land, and he fulfilled it through Jesus. That was the natural land. The permanent land is the land of people's hearts that God has already conquered when they choose Jesus. But there is a simple step. You and I have to have the faith to believe that God is going to be with us. And there are other times when we thought in the transition season, like when we're thinking, man, there's a baby about to be born, and when transition comes, a woman is sometimes like, is this the chance where I'm going to push? And it's like, no, that wasn't the one. Comes again, it's like, well, is it going to happen now? It's like, nope, not that time. How many more, Lord? This doesn't seem right. That's how I feel about the church. It's just been like, almost. We feel like something's about to happen. Another prophetic word comes, it's like, okay, almost there. Until the time is really right, and it does come, and the Lord's saying, it's now. The time is now. And I am pressing. The baby is ready. The body is ready. And nothing can stand in my way. It doesn't matter. Sometimes ladies get there and they're like, I don't want to do it anymore. Nope, nope, nope. You did this to me. I will never do it again, right? Until you realize the new life was worth it. The new life is worth the pain in transition. The new life is worth the pain in transition. This old season of pressing in had great purpose. The Lord was pressing inward and pushing things out. There was two key things the Lord was pressing out of our lives. Sin. And the, and the attachment to the old covenant. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Jesus said in Romans, okay, God has spoken about Jesus. Not only did he say it on the cross, it's finished. He's talking about the old covenant. It's done. I finished it. I completed it. And in Romans, he says, everything that needed to be completed in the Old Testament, the old covenant, was completed in Christ. It's done. The only law to do now is love. That's it. It's already done. You can't pick that stuff up. The God was trying to press out this world where we wanted to be saved by grace and live in legalism. We cannot do it. It's grace and grace alone. Saved by grace, live by grace. That's it. Live in love. That's the law we follow. Not a bunch of rules and legalism. We have to learn how to win in love. If we don't do it, we don't experience the new, the new kingdom. And God was pressing the church to press out all of the control, all the manipulation, and all of the kingdoms that were built for men. The idolatrous church will die in this season. Churches have been built for men, not women. I'm saying men on purpose. And there's something about this idolatry, well, not something. God says there's going to be one God, and one God that's worshipped, me. That's it. He's cleaning off his throne. I'm about to sit down. I'm going to press. We're going to move. Are you going to build what I'm building, says the Lord? It's not for you. It's not for me. I had a vision what, before I took the church. It was over 11 years ago, and I saw the hand of the Lord sweeping a city. I'm like, Lord, what are you building? He's knocking over buildings. Boom. I go, I don't know what to do. And he goes, watch this. You want to know what to do? He said, build beneath the leveling line. I'm leveling the church. There'll be no more kingdoms of men, no more idolatry, but I'm not going to lose any resources. They'll just be reorganized. If you want to build what I'm building, you got to get low. Mariah Anderson said at our camp, she said, grace pulls up in low places. 
Let's do that. Woo! That's anointing. Anoint that's impacting me. I'm like, Grace pulls up in low places. Okay, Jesus, I'm getting down right in here. This is where I want to build your church, Lord. Just beneath the leveling line. What does it got to be about me or you for? Who can, that stuff gets wrecked and destroyed. Are we just tired of watching it get wrecked and destroyed over and over again? Unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor, labor in vain. Jesus builds, God builds in low places, but he is pushing out the old covenant. When you look in Mark chapter 2, 22, he says, no one pours old wine into old wineskins, but if he does, it will burst. And both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. This is God leveling the church. And this is not about old ideas. If you mix this, this, this scripture cannot, and I'm just being strong here, cannot be applied to old ideas and new ideas. It is only talking about the old and new covenant. If you reappropriate this somewhere else, you are gonna get in trouble and it becomes now judgmental because one of the things God is also pressing out is inequalities. He's pressing out inequalities between age, gender, race, class, how much money we make or don't make capacities and limitations or gifts. What we think we have or don't have to offer or bring to the table, God's saying, listen, I am pressing those things out and I am pouring my wine into the new covenant because I'm done with the old covenant. So you have to learn what the new covenant is. It's already established. You and I don't have to come up with a new idea. We need to build in the new covenant church structure Values, beliefs, because that's what he's pouring his new wine into. He is pressing in to what he promised. Will you press with him? But if you go build in this legalism, old covenant stuff, you're not going to experience God's power. If you lead your families with that, your kids are going to be wildly confused in a dead religion. They don't experience the power of God's presence and his love. And they'll be like, church is just a bunch of rules. It's a bunch of stuff to do, and I don't experience his real love and presence. But when youth experience the presence of God, they get lit up. It's pretty awesome to see. But he's pouring his wine into his new wineskin, not the old. He stopped pouring in the old wineskin 2,000 years ago when he said it was finished. And he's wanting the church, he's pressing the church inwardly so we understand how to press outwardly and partner with him. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Worship belongs to God. Service is worship. It belongs to God. And submission goes to his leaders. If you don't get those things right, the church is going to be trapped in idolatry. But this season of looking out is to look out and press into new territory. And the Lord said, It is for lost souls. You and I have to get fired up about leading people to Jesus and telling them that he lives, he loves, and he saves. No longer is the church about church services and looking for him inwardly and trying to experience some new radical encounter of God's presence with hours and hours and hour-long services to try to follow the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm not in that space right now. I was in that space to press something in you, and now I'm out there to press something out. New life in the kingdom. The church is ready for revival Will you push with God? Will you press with God? Not saying time with the Holy Spirit, and I felt like the Lord was saying this, listen, I'm not, spend time with me. It's great. Worship. We gather together. We partner together. We need to be together to disciple the, the people that are coming to get saved, that we are going to lead. We go to them, and they get saved. They don't just wander into our church. We go to them, and they get saved. But you and I have to let this oil that God has been pressing in us light a flame and walk away from the sin in our life and walk into the call and the destiny and press into that destiny and let go of any kind of ideals or that we would be something great. You can do something great in his presence today is you can tell somebody about Jesus. 
and you can lay hands on them in the power of his presence which lives inside of you and you can see miracles, healings, and breakthrough in their life. I told you the story last week about this young guy that was in my driveway that just witnessed to Lord told me he's going to get saved. And we lay hands on the guy, tell him about Jesus. He gets saved, lay hands on him. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He forgives his brother, and the love of God drops on him like a bomb. Like that. The Lord say, are you listening for where I'm pressing? Are you looking for where I'm pressing? Because I'm, I'm pressing in those places. Luke 24, 49, he says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. In Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's everywhere, by the way, even Swaziland, South Africa, right? Southern Africa. It's not technically South Africa, sorry. No offense. Everywhere, God is moving and he's pressing, but it's outside the four walls of this church where he wants to move. And this is the radical, most amazing thing, is that God, in 1 Corinthians 17, he says, he didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news. That's what he said to, to Paul. Not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. It's this amazing paradox in my mind. I go... How in the world is it through my, me being a simple person to deliver God's word would increase its power? And Paul could use clever speech because he was a smarty pants. But not clever speech. He goes, I actually don't do that. I don't do that on purpose. Otherwise, it would affect the power of God moving through my life. goes on in verse 18, it says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. And verse 28 says this, this is the part that I think just blows my mind. Not only through a simple message, not in us knowing everything and being super smart, but just knowing a God and being willing, who, who, God who loves people and being willing to love others. We speak his simple message that Jesus came to save. In verse 28, he says, God chose, picked, picked something. Things despised by the world. He's talking about you right now. Things counted as nothing. Little Nikiski boys that grew up next to chemical plants, ate dog food when he was hungry, because he didn't want to go upstairs. That was me. I probably shouldn't have shared that. And used, he used things that are nothing, as all, nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. He used a bunch of fishermen. He used a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of nothings, to bring to the world to its knees. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. There can be nothing, when you're in his presence, which is why he wants us to press in his presence. No man can be elevated. Grace pulls up in low places. God's power pulls up in low places. When you get in his power, this is why people fall to the ground in his presence, because he gets elevated. I don't know if you've ever felt the presence of God. It gets heavy and heavy. He's pushing you down so you can experience more and more of his power and his presence and his love. Because it's better for you. But he chose you and me. That's what blows my mind, is God chooses whatever he wants. He's God, he can pick anything, anybody, and he picks the low things. Because in that place, people that get who they are and where they are and what, what, how God really moves and they understand their place, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says each time, he said, my grace is all you need. God was saying this to Paul. My power works best in weakness, in low places, with low people, people that don't think they're much, that know they're not much, that go, there's no way I could do that. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. That's a mind shift. 
I'm glad to boast about my, the, the way that I'm limited, the way I come up short, so that the power of Christ can, so that the power of Christ can work through me. God resists the proud but gives grace, the power of God, to the humble. And he wants to work through his church, but his church has got to get low. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Are you weak today? Are you feeble? Are you tired? Are you old? Are you too young? Are you too fat? Are you too short? Are you too skinny, too tall, not smart enough? You can't do different things. You're trapped in a wheelchair. Perfect. 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 You're just the way I want, says God. You are right in the perfect low place. If you see me right. Now, Stop looking at yourself and start looking at me, says God. For in that low place, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Because in that place, if you get to that place and you, st- and you can love the way I made you and who I am and how I'm about to show up in your life, then you can lead from your place of weakness and lowness. And his power will be made perfect. He goes, perfect spot. Let's press. Let's go. Let's leave some junk behind. Let's leave some stuff behind. You struggle with inequalities? Your station in life? You're too low, you're too high. You're struggling with men or women. You're struggling with class. You made, you've made too much money. How can, I, how can I fellowship with these little peoples? You've made no money and you're around somebody who's rich and it makes you feel insecure. Inequalities. They create comparisons that hold us back from the kingdom. God wants us to press into something much greater. And there's this crazy cool spot in Isaiah, and I'm just going to close with this, but uh, is Isaiah 6, 1. Because this is the call. If you're weak, you're called. If you're weak, you're qualified. If you've got nothing, Perfect. In that place, God likes to show off how amazing he is because then there's no distraction in who's God. There's no potential for anybody to worship the wrong thing, the wrong person. But Isaiah 6.1 says this. It was the year of King Uzziah when he died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heavenly armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation. The entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord of the heaven's armies. Then the one, one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal, and he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips now. The guilt has been removed and your sins are forgiven. I want to say this to you. When you choose Jesus, this is the moment that happens. When your lips declare from your heart and you believe Jesus is Lord and your lips declare, Jesus, you are Lord. Your sins are forgiven. Totally wiped out. This is mercy, by the way. You deserve something different because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. And if you don't know today without a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven, then you need to know something. That Jesus said, whosoever calls on my name will be saved from that eternal separation. Your lips, your life will be cleansed through the power of God's resurrected love. 
Come on, he was resurrected by love that changes our whole world. And all we do is choose him, and we're saved. So today, some people in here need to make that choice. Jesus, your Lord, and your sins will be totally set free, and you'll have a permanent spot in heaven. Verse 8, it says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. In Romans 10, 14, it says, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how then can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You're called today. The Lord is calling your name. You're part of the church. You choose Jesus, you're part of the church. He's calling your name. He's saying, who can I send? Is my church ready to be sent? Will you press, will you push when I push? Will you press when I press? In my heart, I'm saying, here I am, God, send me. Will you close your eyes with me for one moment? If you're here today, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're saying, that's me. I need to make this decision right now. Right where you're sitting, you don't have to go anywhere. God will rescue you, he'll come into your life. You will get hit with a train of God's love, it'll shift you forever. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I believe Jesus is God and I wanna receive him today. Will you stretch your hand up in the air? I'd love to pray with you. Anybody here? You're ready. It's time. Jesus, I want to choose you. Just have the courage to stretch your hand up say, you know what? This is my moment. Lord, I'm going to give you my life. Church, we need to start inviting some non-believers to our house. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Right? That's all right second call. Maybe I missed your hand. If I did, it's okay. We'll be able to pray. You've been astray. Sin has been holding you back. Something has been holding you back, but you know you have a call. And you've been looking in the rearview mirror and the Lord's saying, today's the day to shift. Stop looking in the past. It's time to look into the future. If that's you and you're wanting to make a shift, I'm asking you to stand up right where you're at. Just stand right up. I'm ready to make a shift in my life. And I don't, I don't want to live the way I've been living. Come on. I'm making a shift in my life. Yeah, thank you. I'm making a change. And God, here I am. Send me. I'm ready. Come on. There you go. Does everybody keep your eyes closed for a moment? Jesus, I'm done living in the way I've been living. There's stuff that's been holding me back. And right now, this isn't about condemnation. It's about breakthrough. I want a breakthrough, and I want to move forward. I don't want to live in the past. I want to live in the future. Just stand up. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to break some stuff off. Come on. Don't miss your moment. Here I am, God. Send me. Come on. Here I am, God. I want a breakthrough. Yeah. Just stretch your hands up to heaven. Pray this with me. Jesus, you are Lord. Lord of my life, of every circumstance. And I release my pain. I release my fear, my hurt, and my worries and concerns to you right now, Jesus. They belong to you, God. They're not mine. Forgive me for holding on to those things, God. And I declare, Jesus, you are Lord. And God, my whole life, no matter how messy, messed up it is, God, I'm just, I'm just declaring my, the sin in my life, the, the brokenness in my life is in the past, God. It's in the rearview mirror. And no matter how many mistakes I make, God, I'm going to press forward anyway. And the Lord's saying, press forward anyway. Stop looking at what the mistakes you've made. He says, I like low places. Stay low, press forward in me. So, Father, we press forward in you. God, I speak special blessing and favor and breakthrough over your people. Let your power fall on them. Fear be broken. Discouragement be broken. 
distractions be eliminated in Jesus' name. Communication be unleashed, God. That love would be unleashed in their lives, their families, and in their call. God, their call would just rise up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you're saying, okay, I hear the message today. God, it's time. It's time for me to respond to your call. Come on, you feel that call in your life. And the Lord's saying, I want to use you today. I want you to preach my word. I want you to go and share my love with your friends, with your neighbors. I want you to be a missionary. I want you to go pastor a church. I want you to move. Come on, if that's you, it's time to move out of the past. Stand up. Say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Whatever it is, what is God saying to you? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Come on, if that's you, just stand up. Here I am, Lord. Send me. There's a call in my life. Jesus, I want to respond to that call. I don't want to be stuck where I'm at. Here I am, God. Send me. I want to press into your kingdom. Jesus, we worship you. God, I speak life and blessing over your people. God, I pray right now that every call, every destiny in your house, in your church, God, will just be lit on fire. Lord, that there, that internal pressing that was going on will just create this external evangelistic, just fresh and powerful wave of your spirit, God, moving in and through your people. God, right now, I just speak blessing over each gift, each call, each destiny in this house. God, that they will rise up and respond to that call. And God, they will begin to see just radical waves of your glory and your power and your presence moving in and through their life. You'll open up door after door after door as they press into your kingdom, God. And God, sin will just, will just shed off of their life. The things that are entangling and holding them back from the great call in front of them, Lord, will just be eradicated. We love you today, Jesus. We love you today, Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.